Hello there and a warm welcome to the When in Spain podcast show. If you're interested in everything to do with Spain and its culture, then you're in the right place. In this episode, number 21, I'll be taking you on a little journey up into the north of Spain into the region of Asturias. And I'll also be taking you into the heart of one of Spain's most important mountain ranges called the Picos de Europa, or the European Peaks. Uh, during the episode, we make a couple of stop-offs in a few of the most beautiful villages I've ever been to uh, in Spain, right in the heart of Asturias. And during this episode, you'll also hear of uh, a mishap that happened during the trip. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, me and Karina, my fiancé, uh, drove up into the heart of the Picos de Europa to escape the noise and bustle of Madrid. And I'd never been before, so I was keen to see uh, a different side of Spain. However, we did have a bit of a mishap uh, during our trip, uh, which you'll hear about <laughs> during this episode of the podcast. Uh, a bit about the Picos de Europa. Uh, if you've never been to this part of Spain before, I can highly recommend it. It's like a different country uh, compared to other parts of Spain that I've been to. The peaks of Europe, or the Picos, uh, is a mountain range extending for about 20 kilometers, uh, straddling Asturias, uh, Cantabria, and also the region of Castile y León. And the highest peak in the mountain range is called Torre de Cerredo, and it has an elevation of 2,650 meters. So it's an incredibly rugged and verdant green landscape, uh, very different to the flat plains of central Spain. And once you get off the beaten track uh, along narrow country roads that wind through the gorges and valleys between the mountains, uh, you get to see some wonderful sights of lakes, uh, mountain rivers, and an amazing sense of getting back to nature. You'll stop the car and the only thing you can hear is the wind and the sound of cowbells. Yeah, there's lots of cows... Uh, Asturias is very famous for its milk production and you will see lots and lots of cows scattered around the fields and the landscape and uh, the only thing you can hear in the distance and I'll play you a little bit now is the very gentle chiming of distant cowbell. Uh, why are they called the Picos de Europa if they're in Spain? Well, the origin of the name uh, comes from the fact that they were probably uh, the first site of Europe uh, for ships arriving from the Americas. So during our trip up into Asturias, uh, we stayed in a very, very small uh, village called Lugeros, which is actually in Castilla Leon, just across, just south of the border with Asturias. We stayed in a lovely uh, small family-run hotel and used that as our base for the weekend. Uh, I will include the name of the place in the show notes. If anyone is thinking of visiting this part of Spain, I can highly recommend this hotel. During the weekend, we headed up to a, a small town called Cangas de Onís, 
which is up into Asturias, heading north. And then we headed across to a beautiful uh, church, uh, which I describe later in the podcast, in a small village called Cavodonga, Cavodonga, uh, which is just to the south of Cangas de Onís. To put it into a bigger perspective of geographically where this is in Spain, uh, it's about 20, 30 kilometers south of the north coast of Spain, more or less in between Santander and a city called Gijón. And we're just about 40. 50 kilometers to the east of Oviedo. So this is the area that we were exploring and it is a national park in Spain and it is actually called the Parque Nacional de los Picos de Europa. So let's crack on with the podcast. I'll hand you over to me talking to you just outside the Basilica Church in Cavodonga. So from me back to me, yes, in this week's episode speaking to you from Asturias, the autonomous region of Asturias in the north of Spain. And specifically, where I'm speaking to you from is a basilica or church in a very small town, and there are the church bells, called Covadonga, or in Asturian, Quadonga, which means the cave of Our Lady. So you might, uh, you might wonder, well, what, uh, what is the significance of a mountainside church in Asturias? Well, actually, this one has a really, really interesting and important story behind it concerning the history of Spain. Because in this part of the Picos de Europa mountain range, which is where Covadonga is situated, we're right in the middle of the Picos de Europa mountain range, which is the European peaks, which is an extensive mountain range which stretches right across uh, Asturias and Cantabria, very close to the northern coast uh, of Spain. But the significance behind the church here in Cavodonga is that in 722, it was the site of the first Christian victory in the Iberian Peninsula over the Berbers invading from North Africa. And it's often considered the start of the 770-year effort to expel Muslim rulers governing Iberia at the time. So it's seen as really the uh, the site of what's known as the Reconquista. So after 600 years of uh, Muslim dominance on the Iberian Peninsula, right here uh, in the heart of the uh, Picos de Europa mountains was the beginning of the push back, pushing the Moors back south through Spain and eventually back across the Mediterranean Sea and back into North Africa. So apparently all began here. I just went in, you may, may have heard some choral music playing. I'm now standing outside. It's a beautiful basilica, quite small, two towers at the front. Um, But really the most striking thing about it, uh, well, two things. Uh, The situation of the church or basilica is incredible. It's absolutely surrounded by steep uh, forested uh, mountains, really. It's right in the centre of a huge, deep gorge. And the second thing that's really striking about it is the colour. It's actually made entirely from pink limestone. Uh, So it has this kind of pink, orangey glow to it. It's uh, against the green uh, mountainsides. It really stands out. It's really, really beautiful. 
Uh, it's not very old. It was completed in 1901, was started in 1877, and it's built in a uh, neo-Romanesque style. And it was designed by the German architect uh, Roberto Frasinelli. So, yes, that is uh, where I'm speaking to you from. That is uh, Cabadonga. So just alongside the basilica is a statue of someone called Pelayo. And who is Palayo? Well, in Latin, his name was Pelagius. In Spanish, Don Pelayo. And he was a Visigothic nobleman who actually founded the kingdom of Asturias, where we are now. And he ruled it until 718, until he died. And, uh, well, there is a statue of him there, victoriously holding his sword uh, and gesturing towards the church because he is credited with stopping the northern advance of the Umayyad Caliphate during the Battle of Covadonga right here. He is credited with the beginning, with starting the Reconquista, the Christian reconquest of the Iberian Peninsula uh, from the Moors. Uh, the bells have just started ringing again. I think they're about to have a service. Uh, so it is <laughs> Saturday uh, evening at about uh, 6 p.m. Um, we have just come from uh, another uh, town about 15 minutes drive away called Cangas de Onis, uh, which actually means the valleys of Onis in Asturian. So there is a local Asturian uh, dialect uh, of Spanish um, called Asturiano, I believe. And Cangas de Onis is the capital of the municipality, uh, which is the main municipality in the Picos de Europa mountain range, uh, where we are. The most striking thing about the town is the river Seya, one of Spain's main uh, rivers, runs right through the centre of the town and it has a beautiful humped back Roman bridge that crosses the river uh, Seya right there. Uh, the bridge was built in around the 14th 15th century but it is a really beautiful town okay so we are now in Leon the capital of the region of Castilla Leon in a bar called Ezequiel having a glass of wine and sort of regrouping after what happened to us last night last night um, we drove as you heard in the last uh, snippet of the podcast we were in Cabadonga and Cangas de Onis and we stayed quite late and we decided to drive back to the rural hotel where we were staying in a place called um, Luguero. Luguero. Karina is here with me help tell the story of what happened. So uh, there are two routes back to Luguero from Cangas, Cangas de Onis where we were the route we took going was more or less a little bit of motorway and then normal, albeit very narrow, country roads, but like real roads. Because we stayed quite late and we wanted to get back a bit quicker, 
we decided according to google maps and also the owner of the hotel suggested the shorter route back uh at night what we didn't realize was that the road was not really a road it was more like a stone dirt track incredibly narrow in places incredibly steep in places uh karina what happened I mean, I was the, the one who was driving, so it was quite, you know, I was nervous. And suddenly it getting, was getting dark, so I was quite nervous about the situation. Paul was with the GPS, and I was quite, I don't know what's going to happen, please. Just I want to go in a normal, you know, way, like... Like a normal road with, with tarmac, with... <laughs> Asfalto, as they say in Spanish. Yeah, yeah asfalto. Exactly. Yeah, the road, as we progressed, we realized, given there was about 10, 10 p.m., completely dark, um, and actually probably one of the most remotest places I've ever been, in fact, actually, apart from once when I was about 20 and I got lost in a desert in Egypt. But, um, but in, certainly in Europe and certainly in Spain, one of the most remotest Super, super, super rural. I mean, no lights, no nothing, no houses, just mountains, nothing out in trees. And a cow. <laughs> what happened with a cow, first of all? Before, before the real disaster happened, we, we met a cow in the dark. No, but we started to drive. Like, I, I, I told you, I don't want to go that way. And you were, no, no, the GPs say that. And I say, okay. But I was driving, and it was high and high. It was my fault. High, high. And I saw a bar, and I said, mm, listen, there is a bar. If we want, we can have a dinner there, because it was like 9 o'clock. And we decided not. So we went, we're still driving until we find out uh, a couch in the middle anywhere with the trees. And I don't know, it was like, what can I do? <laughs> So yeah, we were we were going up this really narrow country lane, pitch black, and then suddenly we see a big white cow. I mean, it, it looked to me a bit like a bull because it had great big horns. It was a big cow and it didn't look too happy to see us. And we thought, what the hell is it doing in the middle of this country lane? And it started sort of running towards us and then stopped right in front of the car and then it walked away, then it came back. And we thought, God, how, we, need, we needed to continue past the cow. We thought, how are we going to get past this cow without it trying to attack the car or something? Anyway. And it was my, my dad's car. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not even our car. It's Karina's dad's car. The cow walked off into the distance and we sat thinking, right, we need to go past the cow. How are we going to do this? Well, as luck would have it, another car started coming down the track towards us the opposite direction and then stopped then reversed and then sort of disappeared and then we saw the light flashing of like a, a torch and it turned out that this guy lived in a little cottage further up the road and was trying to sort of shoo the cow away get rid of the cow into a field which he did luckily we then realized what had happened we we continued up the track and stopped and he said to us where are you heading? And we said to uh, Lugueros, which is the village where we were staying. He said, no, 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 no. Not a good idea to continue this way in this car. You need like a four-wheel drive or you need a tractor or something like this. And it was at this point a 20-kilometer journey along track, along 
stones and dust and mud. Not like a couple of kilometers, 20 kilometers. So he said, no, turn back, go back the way you came. So we talked and we said, well, I think it's a good idea to take his advice. Yeah, and we had peace <laughs> in the middle of it. Yeah, we had a pee in the middle of nowhere. And we went back the way we came. And then we got back to a tiny little village before the kind of dirt track started. We thought, okay, we're just going to have to spend another two hours going all the way back around the long route back to the hotel. When suddenly, shash, the car, while I was trying to pass through an incredibly narrow little twist in the village which was flanked on both sides with granite houses I suppose without any kind of pavement or path each side really narrow probably like less than two meters wide I I suppose really really narrow we scraped the car burst the car tire and smashed the wing mirror off the car got out of the car thought oh it's not so bad we've just like scraped the car and broken the wing mirror and then we realized that the tire was completely ripped open one of the the back tire was ripped open and we realized we didn't have a spare spare tire because it's quite a modern car that apparently i didn't realize these days don't come with spare tires they come with some kind of repair kit with some kind of glue and a machine that you just repair it yourself impossible the the, the tire was literally ripped wide open with a sort of three or four inch hole you know you could see inside the wheel inside the tire i wanted to cry definitely i wanted to cry but when i saw the situation i i was thinking okay we what we are gonna do because he's nobody you know so i was watching around i was trying to find some someone and it was quite difficult and i thought okay i saw before like a little bar we can ask some help and but Paul started to complain about everything no, I was yeah I was quite annoyed because I thought well what the hell are we going to do I mean we are literally in the middle of nowhere we are 50 kilometers from the nearest major town in this little village where we where this happened you know it's a village of maybe 10 or 12 houses all the lights turned off nobody around nobody But then we did see, through the window of what looked like a house, a group of people sitting drinking very merrily inside. So after deciding, you know, shall we, shall we not go and ask their help, we found the entrance to this house, which was guarded by a dog, which didn't like us. No, he was darking us, like, what are you doing here? I was like, please, don't bite me. <laughs> so a pretty ferocious little dog barking, wouldn't let us into the, the doorway of this house and then suddenly this window opened and they said oh uh, are you okay uh, que pasa no sé que queréis estáis bien are you okay and they said oh can we come in and talk to you so then we walked into well for me it's just like the <laughs> a most living room <laughs> yeah a living room a, a, a salon quite bizarre so basically we walked into someone's house uh, and they'd basically they'd converted their their living room, their lounge, into a bar for the locals. So it was like walking into someone's house, but there was a bar in the living room. And we went in, everyone stopped and kind of looked at us as if to say, who the hell are you guys? You're not from around here. You're certainly not from this village. <laughs> Little did they know that not only are we not from this village, we're not from Asturias, we're not from this part of Spain, and we're not even from Spain <laughs> at all. 
Because we, we sound different when we speak in Spanish. Because I have been living in Spain for 18 years, but I'm still taking my own way to speak my language. I mean, I speak like Ecuadorian, but I mix Ecuadorian and Spanish. So it, you can tell I'm not Spanish because... Uh, I use a lot of ceseo, we call it, uh, you, you, I speak with all my s, s all the time. So you speak with the s instead of the th. So, for example, you might say gra gracias or zapatos, and not gracias con la th, 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 or zapatos. Yeah. Exactly. So, when we went to the, into the bar, um, the girl was in the, the white was looking at me like okay guys what is gonna what is gonna happen and it was like excuse me can you help us because we didn't have any signal yeah this was the other problem because we were in such a remote place neither of us had any mobile phone signal so we couldn't use our phones uh to phone anybody so this was the sort of main reason for going into this house slash <laughs> bar whatever it was to use their, their landline, their phone. Yeah. yeah, because we didn't find the, the insurance car paper. So I, call, I wanted to call, call my, my dad and say, where is, the, where is the papers or something? And she was like, okay, where, where are you from? And because it's quite weird, your accent. I mean, I know you, you, you I can find, find out that you are living here in Spain for a long time, but you are not from Spain. I say, yes, I'm Ecuadorian. And also, my boyfriend is from uh, England, so, but we live in Madrid, you know, like, we are friendly. <laughs> boyfriend? <laughs> no, boyfriend, no. We, now we are fiancé. Fiancé, fiancé, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, we, when we first walked in, they were a little bit, like, surprised. And I thought, to be honest, although this completely changed, at the beginning, not really, not very helpful. They were like, yeah, of course, you can use the phone, no problem. And we were like, does anyone know of anyone who can change your wheel, has got a spare wheel that we can buy to get us out of here tonight? Is there anyone, you know, is there a, a mechanic or a gar uh, someone in the village who can have us no no you can use the phone that was it you know and they just carried on drinking I mean this place was really wow I mean full of, yeah it's a bit, it was a bit strange it was full of kind of middle aged men who were obviously pretty drunk <laughs> drinking the local red wine uh, there was the dog there was a rabbit in a cage in the corner there was a young boy of about I don't know what 12 years old who was like 11 or 12 who who was like occasionally serving behind the bar the owner of the bar was uh i don't know a lady in her maybe mid 40s 50 but as we spent time i think as they realized the kind of gravity of our situation that we were either going to have to sleep in the car or or sleep in their sofa they were actually in the end they were lovely they were really really helpful we hadn't eaten since lunchtime and so we asked if they did any uh, cooked food and they said no uh, and then the lady disappeared behind a curtain probably into her own kitchen and appeared five minutes later with a plate of chorizo and, and bread and you know in a way it was quite good because it was a bar so we, we, we could like relax calm our nerves slightly by ordering some drinks so we ordered uh, the local wine which uh, was the local uh, local wine uh, I think it was a, a, called a, a vino de tierra, a wine from the land. So, you know, small batch wine, 
80, probably the cheapest wine I've ever seen in Spain. Um, 80 centimos, 80 cents per glass. Anyway, so we had called an insurance company to come and collect the car. Luckily, we managed to find the insurance papers after several phone calls to Karina's uh, dad because they were hidden somewhere in the car. We didn't know where. Anyway, we got the insurance papers. We contacted the insurance company who said they were going to send a tow truck to pick up the car. And we were thinking, wow, what, what, what size truck is this going to be? Because the roads were so narrow and twisty and steep. We thought, how on earth is a tow truck going to even reach this village, let alone pick up the car and take it but i think after what two hours yeah we were waiting and the guy who came to take the car he was from from asturias and he called us and suddenly he said oh you know what can i speak with somebody from from the village because i understand you 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 can give me the direction properly and i said okay so but the guy who was with us he he didn't speak in spanish i mean He spoke in Spanish, but no, like, in Spanish accents, you know, like, Asturian's accent or something. Mm. And I was like, okay, maybe you are not going to understand him, but if you want, I can, you know. So he was speaking with the guy, and they, they couldn't understand each other. So, yes, it yeah. was, was quite funny for me, because I thought, you are not going to understand. But when the, the, the guy came, I thought, him, and they started speaking to each other and I thought wow why are yeah. you speaking I, I can understand yeah. this guy he was absolutely lovely I guess he was probably what in his 60s yeah. really sweet guy you know he was really talkative very chatty with us but I, I basically could barely understand him I really struggled he was asking me questions at first while Karina was on the phone and I just looked at him you know like <laughs> like a lamb caught in the headlights of a car like what are you saying to me you know I understand Spanish 90% you know pretty well but this guy just could not understand for his accent different vocabulary uh, speaking very quickly <laughs> sort of looked at Karina as if to say please please help um, but yeah there is this dialect there is this um, dialect of Spanish in Asturias called Bable in the end while we were killing time waiting for the uh, tow truck to come and pick up the car we phoned the hotel where we were staying which again is in a really really small village called Lugueros explain the situation I mean we couldn't couldn't have been thankful enough they were so kind we phoned them it's a husband and wife business the husband is the chef and he said as soon as soon as I finish cooking the meals I'll come and, I will come and collect you I can't come and collect you until about half past midnight because I need to finish in the kitchen And what, a, what an absolutely wonderful guy. He, he came in his... And luckily he had a 4x4 truck because obviously they're used to this kind of terrain. And just as the tow truck arrived, uh, he arrived. So the car was picked up and you'll hear a bit of audio from that now, which in itself was a pretty complicated process in this very narrow, narrow road to get the car onto the back of the tow truck. And then, yeah, at the same time, the owner of the hotel uh, turned up in his uh, 4x4 to collect us and drive us back to the hotel. And I think, boy, were we relieved when he showed up and the tow truck.
coche anda, ¿no? Y era rueda de reventar, pero pueden darse. ¿no? El coche ¿Hombre? anda, el coche no, no anda. Sé. Claro, entonces cargalo aquí abajo, aquí no puedo, hay que dar ahí el coche para. Podiste un espejo, ¿eh? Ah, no, sí, ¿Eh? yo también. Sea, te reventó el espejo y la rueda. ¿Qué no. teoría no entramos las calles? Es que aquí las calles son estrechas. Sí, sí. Así son. A, la, a buenas horas, mangas verdes, que nos hemos enterado. Contratémosla para entrar las calles. In the sort of two hours before that, we we started really making friends with the with the family and the locals in this tiny little bar in in the village. You know? Yeah, they they were really happy to have us, like a, you know, no hostel but like a clients because we were speaking about how we met each other, and the way I went to to Oxford, why. Um, when I say bye to them, uh, the girl who was in the in the bar, he said to me, "I really thank you because uh, nobody stopped here, um, you know. So you give us like a different point of view of you know the life. We are really happy to have you. Can can we can we?" I don't, know, I don't know, meet, uh, be friends on Facebook because yeah. we, you can see the pictures from the village and we can see what you are doing during your life. And yeah. I say, why not? Because yeah. for me, it's like, I'm a real speaker. I really like to, you know, uh, talk, to talk to people about everything. And, you know, I, I really have a lot of friends. So for me, it's like, why not? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Out of, out, out of the sort of drama and nightmare of thinking, what the hell are we going to do? How the hell are we going to get out of here how are we going to get the car out of here how are we going to get back to where we're staying which was 20 kilometers away through mountains um actually turned out to be a really nice uh, experience in the end in this tiny little bar inside someone's house who uh, after i think at first they were a little bit kind of uh thinking you know who are you what's going on um particularly because you know you're ecuadorian i'm english so we're quite obviously not from around here which turned into a really friendly warm social kind of gathering and talking and you know, sharing. sharing it was lovely um one thing that amazed me was when i said to them so how many what's the population of this village how many people live here and and uh, the lady who runs the bar in her house said oh well i think we're about eight 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 people in this village that's how tiny it was eight of them And a couple of dogs as well, I think. Um, just goes to show. So anyway, everything in the end turned out well. We got back to the hotel. We, the hotel owners were wonderful. They made us a hot chocolate. And um, a colacao, of course, a colacao. And we went to bed. And today the taxi, uh, part of the insurance policy, luckily the, there is a, a free taxi to lay on where the car is being repaired. Which is where we are now. We're in Leon. I've never been. Neither of us have been here before. Have you been to Leon before? No, it's the first time I came. I came to Leon because I really like Asturias because I I went before. I wanted to pull visit Asturias because I really like it. And I think you can, you know, if you are English or British, you know, you can enjoy the views because it's something like your country. Uh, in Madrid and, I don't know, Sevilla or Valencia, they don't have this kind of 
you know yeah. um, landscape exactly so for me what well, I you are really going to enjoy come on go to to Asturias it's gonna be better because he wanted to go to Valencia <laughs> I, and I said listen for the like tenth time <laughs> You know, because some sorry, but English people really like the the beach and the sound. But sometimes for me, it's like yes, we had we we had that all all the years. So we can yeah. go to the north. So it always is, you know. I have to say, yeah. I mean, it's really my first time to this part of Spain and to the north of Spain, um, Catalonia. Yes, I've been to lots of times. And we went to Vigo. As well. And we went to Vigo, which is in uh, Galicia, on the real just above Portugal. Uh, really on the um, northwest coast of Spain but sort of going directly north from Madrid to um, Cantabria Asturias uh, I've never been up here and it is absolutely stunning I have to say for me it's not like it, it feels like a different country uh, for me it reminds me the landscape it's incredibly green and mountainous uh, these tiny little villages built out of granite stone like remind you like Wales like yeah. everything yeah you know? it does it it reminds me of a kind of cross between a cross between Wales Switzerland and Cornwall if anyone's listening who's English British or who or anyone who's been to the UK and knows Wales and Cornwall as well, no, because yeah. the structures and of the houses for me looks like Germany. Yeah. So I tell you, it's like something different. You can find anything like that in, in you know, in Sevilla, Cordoba, because they have another kind of structure. Yeah. So a different style. It's a different style. Of, even though for them, it's like we are proud of being from the north of Spain. So we are different. Absolutely. But, I mean, I really like it. I yeah, it, it's different. It's different. It's, it's, a, it's a, an absolute world away from Andalusia, from the coasts, south coast of Spain, from Valencia, Murcia, Catalonia, and Madrid as well, the center of Spain. It is completely different. Um, if anyone who's listening has never been, I would 100% recommend it. Because it's not like a Spain that you, you know. It's not like a Spain that you're familiar with. It's t very different feel to it. Yes, the language is the same. Uh, yes, uh, there are certain things which are very similar. But, like, really the landscape and, and just how rural, incredibly rural and mountainous and rugged the landscape people, is. I mean, people are amazing. People are amazing. They are really, really kind. I mean... I was really nervous. I, I wanted to cry at the beginning, but they were like, what are, what are you going to do? Okay, you can cry, and then... And I was okay, yes, it's true, you know, but, but I was frust quite frustrated. Frustrated? Frustrated, so... I don't know, I was like, what can I do, you know? I was calling my dad, I was trying to find the solution, and I called him, so... Yes, for me it was quite difficult, but they were really kind and they support us a lot. So this is why I feel like I am at home, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. In our first experience, well, my first experience here, I have to award 10 out of 10 for hospitality to the Asturianos. Yeah. 10 out of 10. All of them. Everyone we've met from Asturias and Leon and Leon. So, guys from Leon and Asturias, you've been the best. Yeah. Thank you. 
they're really kind. They gave us, you know, free coffees because they saw us like frustrated, like wow, poor them. You know? <laughs> yeah, horrible. Not a good experience. I mean, it, it sounds really trivial. Oh, okay, you get a puncture, you burst your tire in a small village in Spain. You know, what's the worst that could happen? And that's kind of true. But until you're in that situation at 11 o'clock at night in such a remote place with no mobile phone coverage, not knowing where the hell you are, being 20 kilometers through, you know, dirt track through mountainsides to your hotel. We didn't find the papers, the insurance. Uh... We couldn't find the insurance papers in the car because Karina's dad had stashed the papers in the floor of the car. Um, all of these things sort of added up to make a really bloody stressful experience in the end when we were just thinking, oh, we'll be back in the hotel in, in an hour and a half and we can chill out and, you know, go and have a drink. Well, actually, in the end, we did. We did have a drink in the bar in this people's house. And it was quite cheap because she said, okay, gonna charge you for the calls and drinks. Like five euros, and I said, No, yeah. we are not going to pay that, we are going to pay something else. Because yeah. I said that hospitality doesn't have um, price, but I'm gonna pay for, for that. And I, I, I didn't want to pay five euros. I mean, no, she was know. very sweet, she was very kind. At the end, when we, when we were going to go, she gave us big hugs. She said, Oh, yes, must uh, add each other on Facebook, and uh. <laughs> And she said, yeah, five euros. And we're like, oh, five euros, come on. You know, you've given us about 10 glasses of wine, phone calls. No, no maybe? Uh, okay. Five each. Okay. <laughs> five each, I think. Yeah, exactly. 10 glasses of wine. Chatos is not like... I like a no, chato. it's a chato. It's a small glass of wine. The, the chorizo, the bread, the phone calls, and just their help. So we thought it was way, worth way more than five euros. So we, we gave them quite a bit more than that as a sign of our appreciation. So here we are, we're now in Leon, in the centre of Leon, waiting to find out from the insurance company uh, which, which hotel they're going to give us. Because luckily it's included in the insurance, so we don't have to pay for the hotel. But they haven't called us yet. We had a, quite an angry taxi driver who uh, had been contracted by the insurance company to <laughs> contracted by the insurance company to bring us to Leon, where the car has been taken to be uh, repaired. And we were driving round and round and round, trying to contact the the insurance company to find out what hotel we were going to be staying in. We still don't know. In the end, he dropped us off, and here we are in a bar called Ezekiel, having some lovely glasses of white wine. Me on a Sunday afternoon. I have to say, it's absolutely freezing here today in Leon, isn't it? It's cold. Yeah, it's really cold. And I, I gonna, I should say thank you to my friend Paula because she recommend us this place, Ezequiel, and it's quite nice and it's cheaper. We are paying like one euro and fifty for a glass of wine, a properly one, yeah. and they are giving us like really good food. I had um, callos. Con garbanzos. What are, what are callos con garbanzos? Oh, I really oh, love, it's really... But what are they? Oh, I don't know. How... Callos con garbanzos son um, chickpeas. So they're like stewed, boiled chickpeas, like in, they're cooked in a broth, so they have lots of flavor, with callos. And yeah, callos are, well... Chorizo. Yes, and we had chorizo, but I'm trying to explain what callos are are um, tripe. 
So they're like intestines, and they're bits and pieces from inside an animal that you probably don't want to know really what they are. Well, I don't as an Englishman, I'm not. It's really, really nice. You should try it. Don't be, you know, sometimes we are really close to find out what we are, you know, eating. But for me, cayus, uh, they are quite amazing. And also because in Ecuador we have a kind of food similar. So I really love cayos, and if you want to try, try it. Them, follow the no, I agree. I have to admit, they are really tasty. It's not something that we would eat commonly in the UK anymore. Maybe in the interwar years when meat was maybe a bit scarce. I don't know. Um, but it's still massively popular all everywhere in Spain. No? Exactly. Not just in this region. All over Spain, you're going to find callos. It tastes delicious and it's really nice. I think the only thing that might be a bit off-putting for some people is like when you actually know what you're eating you know it could be a bit of stomach stomach lining intestines who knows what but very tasty very tasty yeah i mean can you order some drinks please <laughs> yeah i'm gonna order some more wine uh, before i do that just before we sign off uh one thing i thought was really interesting i mean in spain we talk a lot about regional identity for example the whole catalan thing that's happening at the moment they you know some catalans want to be independent from from spain um, we know about the different uh, identity from the pais vasco the, the basques who for a long time had this campaign of uh, wanting to be their own country but one thing that really surprised me this weekend when we were driving in the car through leon so the region before you get to um, Asturias if you're driving north for example from Madrid as you drive through uh, a very large region of Spain called Castilla Leon Castilla Leon Castilla Leon um, on the road signs uh, as you're driving through Castilla Leon a lot of, of the road signs have been sort of doctored or they've been adapted and changed by someone with a spray can or a pot of paint changing the names well basically changing the spellings of the names of different towns and villages and sort of correcting them you know changing an o to a u because you know that's how it's spelled in the local di in the local dialect but not just that i also saw in uh, well, lo lots of times uh, in castilla leon a sign for example saying welcome to castilla leon but someone had uh, uh, tipexed out, deleted, painted over the Castilla, so it just said Leon. Yeah. And, we and then are I just Leon. We are, we are, yeah, we are just Leon. And I also saw yeah, signs in Spanish on various road signs saying uh, solo Leon, Le Leon only, we're only Leon. We don't, so it gives the impression that there's obviously, there are obviously people in this region who don't want to be associated Castile. with Castile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I said to the girl, like, before, I mean, she asked me, like, every Spanish people ask me, why you didn't change your, you know, your way, speaking way? So, I think if everybody's proud about their own, you know, provincia or yeah. village. Yeah, or they are, where they come from, their origins. Exactly. Their, so, why shall I change my, my way of speaking? So I think all of all the Spanish people are from different parts. They they had the feeling, that feeling, like I am from Asturias yeah. and I we, we have this and we we had yeah. this kind of you know proud and for us it's like respect that. Yeah. So I think I can find out 
why people, Spanish people from different parts of Spain can feel different. Like, I'm a, I'm a Spanish, but also I am Asturian, so I am Catalan, or I don't yeah. know, you know. It's different with yeah. Madrileños, because Madrileños, they're from the center of Spain, so... Yeah, in the it's end, quite easy with Madrid because Madrid is Madrid. It's exactly. based around the city, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's like the, it's, the Madrileños are proud because they are from the capital, and it's like Sevillanos. For them, it's like we are the capital of, of Andalusia. So for us, it's like yeah. we are we are proud. Uh -huh. But don't say that. Don't say that to a Malagueña. No, no, no. A Malagueño, Granadino. You never said. You, you can say that. Don't talk about that. No, no, no. Because I have friends from. From Granada, Malaga, and they're always like, like, they're, uh, I don't know, quite, you know. Rivalidades. Rivalidades. Re re rivalidades. Rivalries, yeah. yeah. But that happens in the UK as well. I mean, where I'm from, Oxford, and it is kind of on a much smaller scale, but, you know, I'm from Oxford, and the, the other football team, which is about 30 miles away from Oxford, is a town called Swindon. And Swindon and Oxford hate each other. And Cambridge, you hate and, Cambridge. And of course, Cambridge, yeah, that's, that's a sort of university rivalry, isn't it? Yeah, an academic rivalry. So we have these rivalries, but it's, got n it's nowhere near the yeah. same as here in Spain. I it's just sort of petty rivalries about, you know, football. I'm going to ask again, can you order the drinks, please? Yes, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. <laughs> so I did indeed go to the bar and order some more wine. <laughs> we were... Busy killing time, as you heard, in the Ezekiel restaurant, uh, waiting to find out about our hotel. We did eventually uh, find a hotel in the centre of Leon, and we had a bit of time to walk around the town before eventually collecting Karina's uh, dad's car on Monday afternoon, which meant we had to make sheepish phone calls to our places of work to explain how we were unable to physically make it back to Madrid in time for work on Monday morning. Uh, we did eventually get back to Madrid quite late on Monday night. So the little village where we got stranded was called Ayer, Ayer, which does sound exactly like the Spanish word for yesterday, although the spelling is different. So the tiny little village where we met the incredibly hospitable people who uh, who had the little bar in their house, the village was called Ayer, and it's just inside Asturias, very close to the frontier with Castilla-Leon. Uh, our hotel, where we were staying in Lugeros, which I can highly recommend. Lugeros, again, a tiny village, really not much there apart from uh, one other bar, um, some uh, a, a very pretty river and then mountain and alpine scenery but our little hotel there where we stayed for a few nights was called Hotel Rural Los Arguellos Los Arguellos uh, so if you are thinking of uh, basing yourself somewhere in that area to go and explore Cangas de Onís, which is quite touristy, it's quite a well-known place to go and visit uh, next to the Picos de Europa and also Cavadonga as well as uh, purely because of its uh, natural and geographical beauty is quite quite touristy. It's a well-known place. Um, if you are thinking in the future of going to visit these small mountain villages and also the Asturian coast, I would highly recommend basing yourself in Lugeros in the Hotel Rural Los Arguellos. Great food, fantastic hotel restaurant and super, super helpful and friendly owners. <music> 
So that just about wraps it up for this week's episode. Uh, next week, I'm going to be revisiting transport and travel in Spain. And as you may remember, last week I looked at the AVE and train travel in Spain. Uh, next week, I'm going to be looking in more detail at air travel, internal flights and the different travel options for getting around Spain quickly using airlines. I'll be looking at metro systems in different cities, how to use them, how to get tickets, how to get passes. I'll also be looking at uh, bus and coach travel in Spain. And I'll also spend a little bit of time looking at some alternative travel options uh, inside cities, bike hire, scooters, these kinds of things, which have now become very popular in the last uh, year or two. Don't forget, if you'd like to see some photos of the places we visited uh, during the trip to uh, Asturias and Castilla Leon, head over to the When in Spain Instagram account. The handle is When in Spain One, and there you'll see some gorgeous photography of the landscapes, the mountains, the beautiful church at Cavaldonga, and the Roman bridge at Cangas de Onís. And you'll also see lots of other photography from previous episodes as well if you feel like being sociable with other when in spain listeners head over to the facebook page the handle is uh, when in spain number one when in spain one on facebook and through the when in spain facebook page there is also the option to click on the button and join the when in spain facebook group if you want to post articles ideas suggestions share photos ask questions to other when in spain members you can do all of that and you'll be very welcome to do all of that there on the facebook group page and if you'd like to get in touch with me directly, you can email whenInSpain1 at outlook.com. WhenInSpain1 at outlook.com. Fire me off an email. I will endeavor to get back to you with any advice or any uh, information that you're looking for. And I'm thinking in future of maybe doing a roundup of questions from listeners so that we can share all of the information with all of the listeners. And while I'm here, I just wanted to talk about the long-term future of the When in Spain show. Uh, I am planning in the next few months, hopefully before Christmas, to start a video channel on YouTube to uh, give you a bit more of a visual flavour of When in Spain. Uh, that is some way off in the future and time dependent, but if anyone has any ideas or feedback about this or anything that you'd like to see on a When in Spain YouTube channel, please send me your ideas. They would be most welcome. Another idea I had, which was inspired by my Spanish teacher, she said to me, why don't you do a couple of When in Spain episodes in Spanish? Uh, this is something that I am open to. If anyone listening thinks it would be useful to have the occasional episode uh, recorded in Spanish, I would be happy to do it. Or if anybody thinks they would like to have a short chunk of a podcast uh, produced in Spanish, uh, let me know what you think. Uh, as always, thanks so much for your support. Thank you for your messages and your recommendations and suggestions. Uh, thank you for continuing to listen and uh, help this podcast grow and grow. We've now reached the ripe old age of 
21, episode 21. Um, we are now well into our fourth month, I believe. Um, yeah, we started back in June. Uh, I want to continue doing this for as long as possible, as long as uh, time permits and resources permit. So with all that in mind, have a fantastic rest of the week and I will catch up with you again next Wednesday. Until then, hasta luego. Thank you.